And today we're looking at um, living out, Lord, how we um, live Jesus out in the world around us. Jesus is alive in us by his spirit, um, but what difference does that make to us and then to other people? Uh, what are we doing with the gifts that he's given us? Um, so hopefully that's, that's what this morning uh, is about and, and uh, how we've been encouraged. In John 14, verse 2, um, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, whoever has faith in me will do what I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that uh, frightens me a little bit. That's very daunting. If we have faith in Jesus, we are to be doing what he was doing. Or even greater things. We are to emulate him. How on earth, how on earth can we do that? How can we who are so far from perfect... Um, emulate our flawless, perfect Lord. How can we do the things that he did? Well, let's take a step, take it back a step um, and have a look at some of the things that Jesus said to his disciples. And the, the first one is um, uh, what well, is sometimes described as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, right at the end of Matthew, where it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. To the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I've always found that, that very encouraging, um, although I'm still frightened by the previous reading that we did. <laughs> Um, Becky and I were um, watching some of the Paralympics skiing a few weeks ago and uh, we were struck by just how incredible the visually impaired downhill skiers um, are Um, but also how I think there's a lovely analogy uh, in the skiers and their guides that demonstrates to us um, how Jesus supports us. So I wanted to find some footage for you and I have. Um, There's a a young British Paralympic gold medalist whose name is Mena Fitzpatrick um, she's from Macclesfield, and uh, she demonstrates very nicely the sort of trust that I think we need to have in Jesus being with us always. Um, she has no sight in one eye and only 3% vision in her uh, right eye, I think it is. Uh, yet she's able to ski downhill at up to 60 miles an hour uh, just by following and listening to her guide. And I, as I say, I think there's, there's a, an impressive lesson for us there. So the first clip I'm going to show you now was, uh, was put together with um, input from the Royal National Institute for the Blind, who uh, have created some uh, like filters to try and convey the level of vision that Mena has um, and to help us see what she sees when she skis. Did that come out right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite brief, but hopefully uh, it gives you an idea of, um, of what she sees. It's, it's a bit scary, isn't it, that? Um, so the next clip I'm, gonna, clip I'm going to show you is, um, is of her Paralympic gold medal-winning run. Um, it was in the... Not the most recent ones, the previous ones. Um, and I want you to notice, um, as she hurtles down this icy slope with slippy planks strapped to her feet at 60 miles an hour, 
um, how closely she follows her guide, um, but also, and this is important, how the guide is frequently looking back to check where Mena is and the constant two-way um, verbal communication between the two. Just so bear in mind what she can see or can't see and um, how she's getting down this slope. It's quite impressive, isn't it? Um, as I say, we were struck um, by that and by what we might um, learn from it. You, you hear all the time, the, the, um, obviously the commentator's voice, but then this shouting going on in the background. That's the two of them talking to each other, um, information going backwards and forwards about what to do. And the guide looking behind all the time, and that's the key. Jesus doesn't leave us. He's guiding us. We're following him, and, but he's with us, and uh, he's watching out for us. So we thought that was a really good picture of us, of us having faith in Jesus um, and doing what he has been doing um, because he's asking us to, to follow him and try and do what he did. That's, that was the verse from John 14 that we read at the start, wasn't it? Um, he's asking us to show living out, Lord. Um, and that can be quite terrifying and, or it can simply be very challenging for us. Uh, but he's guiding us, he's watching out for us, he's staying with us and he's communicating with us. And, you know, sometimes we, we can't see clearly what we're supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be going. Um, we can't see how we're supposed to get through the challenges that we might be facing. Sometimes we can't see clearly how we are to allow Jesus to live out through us in the circumstances uh, in which we find ourselves. But if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus uh, and keep talking with him, he will guide us. Becky commented to me the other day as well, but what a lovely example um, Derek and Rosie are, <coughs> excuse me, Derek and Rosie are in this respect. She's always been very humbled by their faith and focus on Jesus when, when she goes to visit. Despite the health difficulties that Derek has um, and the daily struggle, his, his faith is inspiring and he talks about Jesus all the time. Um, and Angela Brand too, despite knowing she was losing her battle with cancer, was full of faith and full of hope in her last week's um, and, and conveyed a real sense that Jesus was with her, um, that he was central to her life. And in both of those cases, it's, it's a beautiful example of living out Jesus, isn't it? Another thing that uh, is recorded concerning what Jesus said to his disciples before he went up to heaven uh, is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where, it says, um, where he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was Jesus' promise. And, uh, and we read in Acts 2, don't we, about, about when this began at Pentecost, when the disciples were uh, filled with the Spirit and were able to speak in tongues. So we're, gonna, um, we're not going to read that, but we're going to read together now um, from 1 Corinthians 12 and the first 11 verses. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. 
You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. And to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Thank you, Mark. So, um, Lucy mentioned last week, about when she was newly a Christian, having looked into whether those spirit gifts that we just read about um, are still given. And I really related to that, because I, I remember uh, being taught at Sunday school that the Holy Spirit was only given in the first century. Um, and that we've got the Bible now, and we don't need anything else. Um, it was to help the initial spread of the gospel. But I also remember uh, being in Jamaica 30 years ago with uh, a brother called Tony Isaacs. Uh, lovely, lovely brother. Um, walked, um, and we must have said, do you think we have the spirit today? And he stopped right where we were, sat us down on the curb at the side of the road and got his Bible out. Um, and he took us to Romans 8, verse 9, where it says this. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Okay, that was a real eye-opener for me. Um, so if Christ has called me, he's also given me a spirit. If Christ has called you, he has also given you his spirit. That's what it says. And I think that's really powerful. Um, it also says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So if that's the case, um, we can look again at 1 Corinthians 12, can't we? Because it, it applies to us too. Um, verse 7 that Mark read says, to each one, to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And that's what it's about, isn't it? Um, and then there's a list of some examples of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and verse 11 says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. The next section of chapter 12 is about us um, being one body and many parts, uh, and how some parts have less prominence than others, but that all are essential. We each have been given a gift uh, by the Spirit of God, to use to bless each other and to bless those around us, to use in living out Jesus, if you like, 
uh, in making a difference to those around us. And some of those gifts may seem more prominent, like some of the body parts are more prominent. Some of those gifts are more hidden. But we are all blessed with the Spirit of Christ. So we all have a gift. What is your gift? Maybe you don't know. Um, maybe you don't realize it's your gift. I spoke about this last year, uh, and I'm not apologizing for saying it again, because it's important to me. Um, what is your gift? We all have a gift. Please be brave and use it to bless us. And if you don't know what it is, pray about that. Pray to understand what it is. Uh, And if you do know what someone else's gift is, and maybe they don't realize, tell them. Encourage them. Let's encourage each other to use the gifts that we have all been given to bless each other. The gift that you have may not be a prominent one. Sorry. It is powerful and it is important. We do have people in this church who are healers. Alex has healing hands, and that's a real blessing. We do have people who are teachers. John springs to my mind. We have many people who are quiet carers, texters, walk and talkers, visitors. We have those who are, who are organizers, Steve and Anne. We have those who lead us in worship, like Lucy did so beautifully last week. There are those who give their time in the day to invite classes of school children here to learn about Easter. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Liz. It sounds like that was an amazing success. There are those who do things for us completely anonymously as well. I'm I'm not trying to cover everything. I'm not going to go on because I'm not trying to mention everyone. I'm just trying to highlight that there are people um, in this family with all sorts of gifts, gifts from God. Not all prominent, not glamorous, but essential and powerful in us living out Jesus to those around us. We often go as a family to Dunham, uh, sometimes to see what's going on in the gardens. Uh, And Becky and I were there uh, a month or so ago, perhaps, and we were heading to the garden to uh, see the snowdrops primarily. Um, And we walked through the gate there in the garden, and we were hit by this really powerful beautiful smell uh, and we kind of did like a double take <laughs> um, and, and looked around to see where the smell was coming from and you'll, if you've been to Dunham you'll know there's sometimes a lady sat on the gate there well, she laughed at us it clearly was not the first time she'd had to do this that day um, and she pointed to this very ordinary looking plant that was uh, planted next to the gate and she told us it was called a Daphne, now I'd never heard of it and it's no rhododendron um, but its smell was amazing. Uh, and there's another one um, in the garden as well. Uh, and it's, as I say, its smell was incredible, and it, it travelled quite a distance, and it properly hit us as we walked through the gate. And Becky said to me, as she often does, there's an station in that. Um, it's, not, it's not a look-at-me plant. It's quite anonymous, really. Um, it obviously does have flowers, but they're not, you know... I'm not sure I'd go to see the flowers specifically. Like I would go to see the snowdrops or the rhododendrons. Um, but its impact was really powerful and was really far-reaching. Um, and it reminded me of uh, the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where we read this. But thanks be to God who always leads us.
and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? When we use our gifts to live out Jesus, we can impact people um, in an invisible but profound way. Um, and when we use that, that spirit that's in us, we produce fruit of the spirit. So what are the fruits of the spirit? Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because we have the spirit of Christ, the fruits of that spirit are the characteristics of Jesus, aren't they? So when we follow Jesus, when we try and emulate him, tearing down the mountain, following in his tracks, um, using the spirit gifts we've been given, we are living out Jesus to those we encounter. Um, And when he's at the center, when he's our vision, we, we show his characteristics. And... I'd like us to sing another prayer now um, to kind of focus on that. Jesus, be the center, be my source, be my light. Jesus, be my vision, be my path, be my guide, uh, be the reason that I live. Be, be the spirit in me and be the, uh, the living out, be the force behind that, be the wind in my sails, it also says in the song. The, um, the last section that we've not read of First Corinthians 12 mentions some specific gifts, including administration. Um, but then it asks, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing? And the unwritten answer is no. We all have different gifts. And then it says, um, but eagerly desire the greater gifts And now I will show you the most excellent way. And what's the next chapter about? It's about love, isn't it? The first in the list of the fruits of the Spirit is love. The characteristic that Jesus demonstrated perfectly in his life and in his sacrifice. The seventh um, in the list of the fruits of the Spirit is faithfulness. Which is another characteristic that I always think about when we come to Uh, to this point in our service um, when we come to share bread and wine and remember our Lord Jesus the incredible faithfulness that Jesus showed uh, in submitting to what was necessary to save us to show us how much God wants to give us life so we uh, will share bread and wine together now to remember that and uh, and in doing this we are also living out Jesus Martin introduced this last week um, with the same verse that I'm going to 1 Corinthians 11 For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The the fifth gift of the Spirit in that list is kindness. Kindness is a really powerful thing. Kindness in how we treat people, in how we respond to things that happen. It's a really, really important way of, uh, of living out Jesus. Um, and kindness is actually good for us. You, uh, you may have heard of a chemical messenger in our bodies called oxytocin. 
uh, it's the feel-good hormone, hormone that is uh, released when and we have a hug, when we're in love, when we spend an evening with a good friend. Um, it makes us feel good, but it also has health benefits throughout our bodies. Oxytocin uh, is and it's released when we receive kindness. In other words, God has created us for kindness. It's good for us, and it's good for everyone. I don't know about you, but I've been struck by some of the acts of kindness that have been happening recently um, at the, at the Poland-Ukraine border as people try to escape the war there. People have been offering transport away, away from the border to those who found temporary places to stay in Poland. Um, people donating essential supplies for those coming across with only what they can carry. People leaving their prams and pushchairs at railway stations so that those um, getting off trains from Ukraine don't have, and who are fleeing with children don't have to carry uh, their children all the time. They can, they can um, put them in a pushchair. And it's been quite moving. And sometimes kindness involves uh, a big sacrifice. Um, sometimes it leaves us vulnerable. I don't know whether they were spare prams or whether actually the person who owned that pram is now pramless, but they've, you know, they've been kind and, and donated to somebody in greater need. Sometimes, it needs, sometimes kindness needs us to be brave. Um, when Peter chopped off the ear of the high priest's servant in the garden, it didn't leave a Christ-like mark, did it? But Jesus corrected that. Jesus healed the man and showed kindness in a time of distress. Sometimes it leaves us vulnerable. <clears throat> but kindness can be seen in, in the little things as well, can't it? The quick text message to someone you've not seen for a while or, or to someone who's not well. The time given to listen to a problem. The time given to, to speak to someone that maybe you don't know very well. And expressing gratitude is a kindness as well, isn't it? Kindness is good for us. And it's a fruit of the spirit gifts that we've been given. And it's a powerful way uh, of living out Jesus to those around us. So... My challenge to us all today is this, um, from the top, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is your guide. Fix your eyes on your guide. Secondly, know that if you belong to Jesus, you have his spirit in you. And know that you have, therefore, gifts to use in his service. Number three, use your gifts to bless each other. Uh, of showing kindness, because it's good for all of us. Look for ways of leaving a Christ-like mark and of living out Jesus. That's my challenge. I'm going to finish uh, with reading you a short thought from um, Eddie Askew, which I've used before, over 20 years ago, uh, but it, it seemed very apt for today and today in the world that we're in. Behind the carved oak pulpit in the old church, I noticed a mark on the worn wall. 
At first glance, I thought it was just a random roughness, a shadow on the stone. Then I realised it was the outline of a cross. It must have hung there for years, and when taken down, it left a mark on the wall. As individual Christians, we leave a mark. Most of us lead unremarkable lives, but each of us has something of value to give. Our presence in the world, our faithful performance of the little acts of daily living, makes its mark. There are times when we feel useless. We can't stop the steamroller of world events without getting flattened. No one listens to the thin sound of our protest. But we make our mark. And however small it is, it's our mark. And the world will never be quite the same again. God grant that the mark we leave is the mark of the cross. <laughs>